Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast, where we chat with team leaders, realtors, and how to make this industry better and how to be more effective. And today, we have Yanni joining us. He's from the D.C. area. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you making time. My pleasure. So we're in interesting times. We've had like uh, when the pandemic first started, realtors were curled up in a ball underneath their desk going, oh my God, our world is destroyed. And about three months later, probably the hottest real estate market we've seen in like decades came about. Uh, was that a surprise to you that uh, we went from total panic to all of a sudden having this uh, stellar market? Um, it was a little bit of a surprise. I think one of the things that uh, impressed me is how quickly the entire industry kind of banded together to figure out how to do it in the context of a pandemic. So everybody from appraisers to lenders to agents to home inspectors figuring out when and how do we mask, who's spraying down lockboxes, how are we ensuring that clients are comfortable, how are we ensuring that random people at an open house are comfortable. Uh, I think that happened really quickly. And in under a month, uh, top performing agents had figured out new processes and procedures um, to have their life and livelihood be protected, but to also make sure that when they were meeting with clients, they also felt super comfortable and protected, given that there was so much of COVID that was an unknown. But I mean, I think a lot of agents, even those that have been doing this for a lot longer than I have, were really surprised as to how quick uh, the market seemed to take off. Um, I think part of that was fueled by the uncertainty of COVID. Everyone wanted to have more space. Everyone wanted to have outdoor space. Everyone wanted to not be sharing common hallways and the amenities that are common in you know many urban environments. And the burbs had rocket fuel thrown onto a fire. Um, and it was really kind of crazy to see how that went across the first part of COVID. Cool. Thanks for kind of giving some insights into that. So right now you have a team and uh, when did you join uh, the industry and when did you start your team? Sure. So I became licensed on April Fool's Day, 2015. Uh, and I remember vividly because it was oh, yeah, that was day. and it was kind of a, a, a big joke among um, friends and colleagues, I'm, I'm making the leap to get into to real estate, um, having come from uh, the corporate world uh, for a long time. But it's always something I wanted to do, dove headlong and was fortunate to find success in it relatively quickly um, compared to some of my peers that also started in the same cohort in 2015, so call it. Um, I started my team probably nine months later when we moved from Greenline Real Estate, which is where I initially parked my license. They were two awesome brokers a couple mm-hmm. months from my house. Uh, and I started a team very shortly after joining Sotheby's in December of that year. So January 1st, 2016, we were at Sotheby's and I had a three-person team at the time. 
um, and continue to grow and add and scale. I added three more agents and two staff while we were at Sotheby's. And then a couple of years ago, we ported over to Compass because um, they were recruiting super hard in the DC market and the value proposition at the time was very compelling. Um, and we've been at Compass ever since. So today it's me, five other agents uh, and two full-time staff uh, that round out our team. Um, we're all licensed uh, across the jurisdictions that we serve. So DC, Maryland, Virginia, uh, some of us are licensed in Delaware as well because we can cater to the beaches. And we're aiming for about 100 million in volume this year, which is a nice tick up from the 90 we did last year, given that it's a little bit of a slowdown across the second half. Brilliant. So uh, what have been the uh, challenges of being a leader? That's a great question. I think it's one that good team leaders struggle with all the time. Um, I think one of my challenges is how I keep agents with very different businesses, very different skill sets, very different backgrounds and very different spheres, all aligned and working under a common framework that promotes what we do and allows us to stay differentiated in a market that has a lot of really good top performing agents. So how do you articulate who you guys are? Uh, so I think we differentiate ourselves as we can secure more off-market properties than any other real estate team in the DMV, uh, whether it's for our end user clients that are buying their step up home from their existing property, or whether it's for developer clients that are trying to uh, renovate and add new inventory and reimagine some of the city's not as attractive stock into new fun, exciting homes. Um, we're really good at finding opportunities that aren't publicly available and in the marketplace. Um, and that's something that I think has helped us stay differentiated uh, among our peers in the area. So how do you, uh, because uh, you could be establishing oneself as whatever, but it takes concerted effort to kind of stay on track and get really, really good at it. So what have you guys been doing to say, okay, this is where we're putting our flag in. This is who we are. How do you stay on top of the game and uh, just maintain that uh, leadership position? Sure. So I think for us, the common theme that binds all of us together is our commitment to kind of our three brand pillars, uh, authenticity, transparency, and effectiveness. Uh, authenticity, we are real people. We have struggles, we have challenges, we have wishes, we have goals, we have really good days, we have bad days, just like all of our clients. Uh, and I think we work hard to try to make those connections with folks um, at the outset. And I'm at the point in my career where if I don't get a good vibe from you, well, we're not going to spend four hours in my car trekking around different neighborhoods. I, I just don't need, I, I don't need that negative energy. I don't need of bad vibe when I've got a lot of really cool, exciting, happy things going on. I think everyone on the team buys into that philosophy. We're true to ourselves and we're doing the best that we can to always do right by our clients. And that is something that gets paid forward. So we're, we're, we're there. Um, authenticity. I think transparency is really important. I think in spite of the fact that now more than ever, people have more information about property at their fingertips and they can pull up calculators and this and that and tax records in a flash. Uh, there are still a lot that's really opaque and not very well understood. And the public doesn't understand certain bits and bobs that agents know the ins and outs of. So we try hard to make sure to uh, kind of shed as much light on the process, the contract, what contingencies mean, what financing does, and all of the pieces that are required to bring any one transaction together to be well knowledgeable, well versed, 
and confident enough that we can have our clients feeling empowered across any one of those steps and being able to do that in a way that is open and public and readily available. Uh, and then effective. At the end of the day, you're only as good as your last mm -hmm. couple of transactions. And developer clients will throw their top performing agent out the window if you're not sourcing good deals or if you're not selling their new product. Uh, and, you know, the DC market is one of a lot of really smart, successful, ambitious type A people who are out there to do really big things. So the bar is set really high on the level of client service that we need and are expected to provide them. Um, and I think it's really cool that those three pillars, when put together in unison in a way that is really easy to digest and really fun to share with people, um, has helped us continue to grow and to scale. Brilliant. So in your travels, have you made any mistakes uh, bringing agents on board that turned out not to be the right fit? Um, so to be honest, not really. I did have an agent join, uh, and it's right when we first came to Compass, they asked to bring on an agent who was in between some other teams and trying to find her way forward in the industry and, you know, being new to the organization, always trying to be team players, always looking for ways to add value and to help. I was like, Hey, sure. Let's see if it can be a good fit. Um, and it was a fine fit. It's not that it wasn't a great fit. It's just that I think alignment between where we saw the industry going and what inputs are required to get maximum outputs, there was just a pretty good disconnect on. Um, you know, but that person moved on, moved away from real estate altogether, um, and we're, we're still connected and, and support each other as best we can. But that's really the only agent experience where someone has chosen to not be part of the team. Interesting. So uh, advice to other uh, team leaders, especially ones starting out, what are the five ways to be a better team leader? Like, what do they need to focus on? <sighs> Time management is critical. Because you've got not only your own activities and all of the things that you do for your own business, but I think you also have to be really mindful that if you are going to be managing people, they have their life and their priorities and their things that they worry about. So being able to manage your time and their time effectively, I think it's, is important. I think two is just clear goal setting. I think it's really hard to be working in any organization if the goalposts seem to constantly be moving. Just having a clear and open way where everyone understands where they fit and what their role is, I think is pretty important. Um, I think three, like creating a culture is really key. Whether you're going to be a three-person team or whether you want to have a 30-person team, like what are the things that everybody on the team has buy-in and an understanding that these are our um, I guess, organizational tip of the spear where we all agree that this is something we need to be putting out in the marketplace. I think that's important. Um, I think four is having a really good feedback loop. Um, I think sometimes team leaders can get myopic and thinking that their way is the only way and what goes on in their head is the only thing that will matter. Um, I've tried really hard to instill in my own team that like, hey, we should be more of a collective then we are kind of a pyramid. Like I want you to all have buy-in in what we right. do. Um, you know, we have team events where I will meet clients from folks on the team. 
But they're like, oh, you work with so-and-so. I was like, yes, that's exactly right. I work with so-and-so. And I, I, it feels really good to have it be uh, that familial and that collective nice. um, group because – you know, the sum is greater than all of the parts. And I'm a big believer if it's that done right. if it's done right, that's the case. Way too many teams, the uh, the whole is less than the sum of the part because of office politics and just that humanness and people not fully embracing. Sure. And I think the last one, and I think they go hand in hand, is um, discipline and generosity. I mean, I think I come from an abundance mentality. I don't think that there is any shortage of business in a market like ours that's as transient as it is, where we have very large macroeconomic factors supporting our industry and there's just not enough inventory to go around for the people who want to buy homes. Uh, And then the discipline to do the hard stuff, to set aside time for follow-up, to do the cold calls, to round up architects that you haven't met with and see who's building cool new things. Um, some of those activities suck and they take up a lot of time and no one likes to do it. But, you know, back to your point earlier about the consistency. Um, if you don't have the consistency in the activities, you're not going to see success beyond the first assemblage of a challenge in the space. And, you know, if you have no discipline, the minute there's a headwind, the entire deck of cards is going to come crashing down. So keeping that rigor, keeping that process orientation, keeping the team meetings, to, you know, a, a routine is is key. I think those would be the five things that I'd say for anyone who's starting out. Brilliant. I think you would agree that mindset is a critical part of success as being a human being and a realtor and all those things. I can't agree more. And for, forget just being a realtor. I think it's mindset is everything in anything. Absolutely. If you've got perspective and the belief and you're willing to put in the time and the effort, uh, I think anything can get attained. I think for me personally, the absolute best thing about real estate as an industry and as a profession is how much of that is very, very directly correlated both to mathematics. Like I can reverse engineer the metrics of the business very easy. I know what we convert at. I know my average price points. I know how long deals take to close on average, et cetera, et cetera. So the physics of the business can get broken down in a very clear way that at the end of the day, math doesn't lie. It's numbers are numbers. It's just the the the, the fundamental connectivity of, of all of us. Um, so I think there's a there's an interesting correlation there too. Absolutely, uh, it was just kind of reminded me of a quote from Mark Twain: "Sir, there are lies. There's damn lies. Then there's statistics." <laughs> so uh, we all have you know highs and lows, and people that have a stronger mindset have more resiliency. So when they do fail, they bounce back really quickly. But as a team leader, you have to shepherd your uh, your charges sometimes where they fall out of the zone. So can you share a story where one of your agents, you know, uh, had lost a deal or had just uh, gone into a slump? How you got them out? Um, sure. I had an agent. I had an agent over the past summer that we had a particularly challenged listing and clients who were not unrealistic. Uh, I just think that their expectations were not appropriately set. And whether that was our doing on behalf of the agent or whether that was just somehow of a disconnect between where the market was in relation to their property, um, where they wanted to move in a different direction. We were coming up to the almost the termination of our listing agreement. We had successfully procured two different contracts that for two different, very varied reasons were managing to fall out. 
which happens even to the best agents. Deals sometimes fall apart. Um, and the client wanted to relinquish the listing, wanted us to give the photography to somebody else and wanted to move in a different direction. So they were dejected. I was dejected. You know, we had put a lot of time and effort and resource to market the property successfully. The reasons that it fell out had nothing to do with us. They were title defects that had been found that, you know, had we known, we would have advised in a very different capacity, but we didn't know them until much later in the game. Um, so I think at the end of the day, the way we get over that hump is to break down all of the pieces of the puzzle in its most objective forms. So it's like, what are the things that we could have done better? Where are the pieces that maybe we faulted mm -hmm. and didn't execute as well as we could have? Um, and when you break it down, you can find learnings even in a really shitty circumstance. Um, and the silver lining there is, hey, maybe we need to have a better feedback mechanism when we're getting to the end of our listing agreements. Maybe we should have managed expectations a little bit better when the second contract ratified in case we weren't able to cure the defect in time. Um, now, the silver lining is I was able to get involved and kind of convince the seller to be like, hey, we've been slogging away for the better part of four months here, you guys have been copied on every single email exchange with the title attorneys. Like we have sliced and diced and tried to solve this conundrum the best way we know how. And we would really like a shot to, to make this whole and to make it right. Um, and I stepped in to kind of be the quote unquote lead. Um, I was able to give the other agent a healthy referral on the business because he, he was the one who had brought it into the firm in the first place. Um, and we found a contract that worked and closed and the sellers were happy, the buyers were happy, the other agent was happy, and we turned it into a, a win at the end. <clears throat> but I think the reason we were able to do that is because we were able to kind of just be as objective as possible, even in things that sometimes become really subjective to assess. Um, and I think in the chaos of trying to reverse engineer or break down any one transaction, putting things in their most objective light is the best way to sort out where you did things well and where you could do things better. So what was kind of interesting in that telling of that story was uh, you guys were very comfortable looking at the situation as it was. Things that you quote unquote screwed up, although it was not known to you, but it wasn't like, oh, it wasn't our fault. It was a company so taking ownership. And I think that's what great leaders do is look at the data, what's going on, and then how do we learn from it and how can we change things around because a lot of other folks would have blamed everybody else and would have, this this is a bad uh, customer uh, we don't want them anyway and rather than going huh what's really going on and what's the end result that we want you know that's a really good uh, strategy and philosophy to win business and more importantly stay in integrity while you're doing it no, like I, I think you're you're spot on. There's there's two things that I remember very vividly in my own career that make that impact crystal clear in my mind. Uh, when I was in college, I waited tables and bartended at a restaurant called Old Ebbet Grill. It's in the heart of oh, yeah. downtown. Um, it's part of the Clyde's restaurant group, so all of the Clyde's are related and so forth. And at Old Ebbet, there is a program um, called the EEP, the Employee Empowerment Program. And you learn about it the very first time you go through the training that while you're out on the floor, you can make that guest experience better. You spill red wine on them. You can get 
the dry cleaning bill. You find out it's a birthday party, you can get them a glass of wine or a piece of cake and comp it. Like you have complete authority and control in that moment, in that table to make that guest experience great. I think having that ownership to fix problems is helpful. Um, I remember one time I had like a 12 top and like I was still relatively new and I had this tray of like 14 waters to deliver to the table. And I got there and like I got bumped. I don't even remember what happened. I got this one guy completely soaked, like 14 pint glasses all over him. And he played it off and it was fine. I wiped him as best I could. I went and reloaded the tray, another 12 waters come back. And like, I think my nervousness in it all like made me drop the tray on him again. Oh so not only did this guy get once, he got soaked completely twice. But I was able to smooth it over. We all had a great laugh. I got the entire table, like a round of drinks and appetizers. I got him a sweatshirt from the bar downstairs so he'd have dry clothes during his dinner. They left me one of the biggest tips I had gotten in months. And at the end of the day, we made that experience really fun for both of us in spite of the fact that I was just a klutz and I soaked this poor guy in his business suit. Um, so the, like being able to be empowered to fix things I think is really important in our job. Uh, and then the second bit, I had the really good fortune of working at a company called the Corporate Executive Board earlier in my know. career. They got bought by Garth. Um, yeah, CB is an incredibly powerful organization with a very simple premise. Um, but one of the books that um, one of my mentors suggested reading is Good to Great by Jim I Collins. And Great by Jim Collins highlights how the best organizations – across industry, across geography, I think function really well because of how they try to take ownership of problems. Um, and I think if you can take that ownership and you can spin it in a way to understand what the benefits are and you can learn from the mistakes, you're continually improving. And I push hard on the team that we don't need to make a 50% improvement year over year. I don't. I, I, I think that's going to be impossible given how fast we scale to where we scale. But if we can get just 1% better every day, little things that we do, we're going to be powerhouses. So keep your head down, separate the signal from the noise, focus on the things that make an impact to you and your clients and keep doing only those things. Um, you know, I think as a leader, I work really hard to not coach people to their strengths. Like you're already good at what you're good at. I don't want to make you better at the things you're already probably better than me at sometimes. Like it's my job to make you better in those areas where you have a deficiency, whether you know it or not. And if you know it, let's work at it together. And if you don't know it and I see it, I think it's my job to figure out how to let you see it so that you can want to improve on it too. Um, and if I can make you better in the places that you're weak, then you're improving. And if you're improving where you're weak and also crushing where you're good, it's going to be a win, win, win. And so far, so good. Words to live by. Uh, last three questions, Yanni. Uh, number one, what brings you joy in your work? Uh, I think there's two things. One is the trust that clients put in us. Nice. Like the, for the majority of people, the purchase or sale of their home is the biggest financial decision that they're going to Yep. And having friends and family and referrals and clients – place their trust that we're going to help them navigate this mm -hmm. is really powerful and very joyous. Um, the second bit is at the end of the day, I love selling. 
like I have sold in every industry that I've been yep. in, whether it was consulting, whether it was advertising, whether it was social media. And when you get the phone call from a listing agent that your buyer is the one that's going to get the place, that feeling is in many ways irreplaceable. And if you enjoy the art and the science of the sale, knowing that you got it, especially if there's multiple offers. And in our market, there's been a shift from every property getting nine or 10 offers to it's still competitive, but there's been a little bit of a, a breathing for the buyer side. But getting that call that, hey, we would love to work with your folks on this one transaction. Uh, I love that feeling. Um, and, you know, I think that's a cool thing to get to do uh, a couple times a week when you're working as hard as we're working. Hallelujah. Second question. What's one uh, mind hack or trick that you use to be more effective, uh, happier, sexier? What's that thing you want to share with the world? Um, one mind hack. Uh, the mind is only as good as what you feed it. Uh, I saw a quote um, or an Instagram meme or something the other day that um, if you fill your mind with vice, you can't expect it to find like piety or right. pure thoughts. Huh. But, you know, the mind is what you feed it. So if you wake up every day negative and depressed and frustrated and looking for challenges – well, guess what? The rest of the day is going to be full of frustrations and negativity and challenges. Um, if you wake up early and you do a task, like I'm very processed and task driven. Right. So I get up, the alarm goes off. The first thing I do is make the bed because if I'm out of the bed and the bed has been made, the very first thing, task one in every day has been done. And I can, I know I'm not going to get back into bed. I can go brush my teeth. I can go weigh myself. I can go put on my running shoes. I can go do all of the other things that have to happen. But I know I started the day knocking out the very first task. Um, one of the best books I've read was Eat That Frog. Um, to tackle the hardest thing that you need to do in any given day, the very first thing in the day. So you're not procrastinating it. You know a deal is about to blow up. You know a lender is about to lose a rate lock extension. You know you found something really shitty in a home inspection and you've got to do something about it. Get that done first thing in the morning. Don't put it off. Um, I think that is a fantastic mind hack just to help you unlock more productivity. Um, and then I think the more things that you can do to find metrics and to gamify mm -hmm. and to think about and outcompete yourself is really key. At the end of the day, it's you versus you. I don't compete with other agents. I don't compete with my team. I don't compete with others in the marketplace. I look at our numbers. I look at my performance. And I think, how can I get better for myself? And how does that help us collectively improve? But you know, everything from how long does it take you to run a CMA? How long does it take you to put an offer together? How long does it take you to run comps? How long does it take you to figure out you know, which things to see on a two hour block with a new buyer. Like how do you gamify those things in a way that makes you excited to do them better, faster, more efficiently, more effectively? Because if you can do that, well, all of a sudden you've just gained a bunch of extra time to redeploy into the other things that matter, whether it's the business, whether it's your family, whether it's your health, whatever. And, you know, one of the initiatives that I embarked on, I think it's coming up on two and a half, almost three years now, was a weekly newsletter, right. Yanni's Tuesday Tidbit, about every Tuesday. Um, at the beginning, that thing took me an hour, hour, 15 minutes to come up with and to format and to spell check and to do whatever. Um, it's now down to almost the science. I can crank it out in 20 to 25 minutes. 
like regardless of location, I can fire it up from a parking lot with my laptop and my iPhone. Um, and it has single-handedly been one of the best drivers of revenue to the business across the past two years too. Um, so those are just gamifying and productivity hacks. Oh, love that. And uh, last question, is there a question I should have asked you that I did not? Well, it's your podcast. So I don't think that it'd be right for me to have questions that you should have asked that you didn't because you're the one that runs this thing and I don't have a podcast yet. Um, but I, I like all the questions so far and I think this has been great. Brilliant. Uh, Yanni, thanks so much for being on the program. I'm looking forward to our next conversation and the next uh, conversation uh, should be the future of this industry because I think it's in flux and someone's going to come in and disrupt. And as soon as we stop recording, I'm going to tell you where I think it's going. Everyone, stay tuned. And Yanni, thanks so much for being on the program. Really appreciate it. Look forward to that next conversation as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming and that is the fastest way to get better results. 